Titus chapter 2, God willing, we'll be expounding verse 13 this morning. Titus 2, 13. The title of the message is, Our Blessed Hope. Last week, Paul told us about the power we needed to fulfill the commandments that God gave. And that's the grace of God. And then he told us about the principle that the gospel message teaches us. Namely, that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and uh, godly in this present world. And denying those things, Paul said that we should live uh, uh, as, well, as I just said, soberly, righteously, and godly. I'm sorry, the, the, I, I, I uh, had it in memory, and I got ahead of my notes because I have the Scripture memorized. But last week, Paul told us how to live. And this week, Paul's going to tell us how to look, how to look. Paul said, this is how the church is supposed to look when you're living in an evil world. And boy, we are living in an evil world today, are we not? Um, Paul said they have to make sure that they are look. Look in verse 13, looking, looking. While you're living, Paul says you need to be looking. If you're not looking while you're living, then you're going to be in a bad way in this world. I was catching up on Facebook the other day, and I was bombarded. I don't know if anyone else gets this. I don't know why it's me, but there's two things that constantly come up on my, the commercials on my timeline, and that's drag queen advertisements and Viking music. I have no interest in either one. I don't know any Vikings. <sighs> I personally don't know any drag queens. I knew you were waiting for that one. But it comes up constantly. And I keep hitting, see this no more, see this no more, see this no more. And I, I don't know. They just, they just keep popping up like weeds. But no matter where you look today, the world is constantly trying to shove its filthy propaganda down our throats. I'm so tired of it. I grow, if you're like me, I've grown sick of watching the news. How many of y'all just won't turn it on because all you do is just get angry when you get through watching? That's me. I have to get a little bit of it because I want to be informed. But, uh, but we get angry and we get disgusted. And a lot of times we get afraid when we're watching the news. This world has a lot for us to look at. And it's not looking good. <laughs> Depression and anxiety have significantly increased over the past few years. And when you see the wickedness that's going on around you, when you see the increase in crime and lawlessness, and when you see the instability of our nation in the foolish uh, decisions that our leaders are making, along with the rise in evil powers around us and that challenge and threaten our peaceful existence. It causes stress. It causes anxiety in our hearts. It causes anger and sadness and depression. We see the price of goods and services going up. 
At the same time, we see our retirement savings going down. Unless you're from California, they've got it all. little joke toward our California people here. But you do. And, and we get discouraged, and, and we see the deep global corruption of our political leaders. And we yearn inside us to be free from the misery they create. We watch our loved ones being sucked into the foolishness of the world around them. We watch our churches being sucked in with them. Falling like prey to the world's ungodly influence. We're seeing it right now. That's a lot of grief for eyes to take in, isn't it? And if we're not careful, we can easily be overwhelmed by what we see. We can be swallowed up by the sorrow we witness every day. And end up falling prey to the anxiety of our flesh. God knows that. That's how come God gives us scriptures like this in the Bible. I'm glad He takes care of and addresses all of our circumstances. We can grow weary of the fight. We as Christians can be tempted sometimes to just give up and quit. A lot of people are tempted to give up and quit. They do grow weary of the fight. But Christian, God knows what you're experiencing. He knows every bit of it. He knows the heavy burden that comes by looking while you're living in this present world. I'm thinking about Jesus right now when he was walking up to Lazarus' grave. He was looking at all the unbelief. He was looking at all the sorrow that sin caused. And he wept. Even Jesus wept. Because he was looking while he was living here on earth. There's a lot of sadness here. And that's why God is telling us here in his word, not just how to live in this present world, but how to look while we live. This present world is cursed and without hope. It's coming to an end. It's not going to get any better. Oh, there may be some... Temporary times of revival the world has experienced, and I pray will still experience again in certain places. But the world is going to get worse, and then it will come to an end, this present world we're living in. So the key to joyfully living in this present world is knowing that you don't belong to this present world. That's the only way you can hack it. All right. The only way you can keep from thinking, my goodness, what's going on? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, says this. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That word conversation there in Philippians 3.20, the Greek word, it means citizenship. The modern King James Version says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our citizenship is up there, and our present assignment is down here. <laughs> so think about what Paul is saying. Our present assignment may, may be here, but our citizenship is in heaven. <clears throat> 
And Paul says, heaven is from whence also we look. That's what he said in in Philippians, the scripture I just quoted. Our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look. What are we supposed to be doing today? Looking. That's what Paul's telling Titus. We're supposed to be looking. And now we're finding out where we're supposed to be looking to, to where our citizenship is. That's in heaven. Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying your citizenship is in heaven. So set your eyes on where you're going, not on where you're living. That's the only way to hack this present evil world. Set your eyes on where you're going, not on where you're living. One day... The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come down from heaven. He's going to rid this world of sin. He's going to establish God's kingdom here on earth. Oh, when when I think about that, I get so excited about it. Oh my goodness. You talk about drain the swamp, Brother Doug. There's going to be some swamp draining when Jesus comes back. He's going to kick out godless politicians from their power. He's going to condemn the devil and his fallen angels. He's going to truly establish one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. He's going to do what the world leaders in our day, in times past, throughout all the millennia that we've been here on earth, and all the leaders in the future until Christ comes back, Jesus, when He comes back, He's going to do what all the world leaders have failed to do. He's going to establish world peace. He's going to get rid of all the unrighteousness once for all. He's going to end sickness and death. My mom and dad, they love to go out on dates together. Several times a week, they all go to the doctor's office together. And my dad spends a lot of money on my mom when they go and vice versa. But you know what? He, there'll be no more doctor visits when Jesus comes. The best thing that our nation can do is say, well, maybe we can have uh, uh, Medicare for all. We won't need any Medicare because we won't care about our medical issues. There'll be no more sad goodbyes to loved ones. Jesus is going to do away with all crime. He's going to end poverty. He's going to end homelessness. Won't be anyone standing outside with a sign, we'll work for food. He's going to end all of that. He's going to end hatefulness forever. He's going to raise the dead back to life. How about that? He's going to expose all the deceit and wickedness of the past and judge the world in righteousness. Everything you think, oh, well, they'll find out about it. They'll never do anything about it. Think, oh, they have these investigations going on. They'll never do anything about it. Boy, Jesus is going to. Man, you talk about an attorney general. He's going to handle it. He's going to do away with every false religion. Every one of them. And He will forever unite the world in truth. Do you know what that is, brethren? 
That's our blessed hope. That's our blessed hope. I crave it. This is the blessed hope we as Christians are waiting for. And Paul said, while we are living here, we need to be looking, look back in your text now, for that blessed hope. See that? That's what we need to be looking for. That's what we need to be longing for. That's, not what, that's what we need to have our eyes set on. Listen, if, if I didn't know that we were going to win in the end, if I didn't know that Jesus was going to come back and turn this world right side up again, I would be one depressed, miserable fellow. I would. I think I'd do like Brother Shepherd, just shave my head and lift weights all the time. That's all I'd do. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. Paul said, If in this life we have hope, I'm sorry, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. As the wickedness of man waxes worse and worse, and the world continues marching onward to its impending doom, keeping our eyes on the blessed hope will keep our hearts from breaking. You hear that? Keeping your eyes on the blessed hope will keep your heart from breaking. It won't keep it from hurting. Jesus wept. But his heart wasn't broken because he had the blessed hope. As the great falling away takes place, which will happen before long in this world, we're seeing definitely some signs of it already. But as the great falling away takes place and the world turns its back on God, it will become increasingly evident to us, even though we know it theologically, biblically, we're going to know it experientially, that the destruction of society as we know it is inevitable. But no matter what happens down here, no matter how gloomy life becomes, you can't be hopeless if you have a blessed hope. You can't be overwhelmed with hopelessness if you are looking for that blessed hope. Paul said we should be looking for our blessed hope. Look back in your text. And the glorious appearing. The glorious appearing. Oh, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This morning, my wife saw a picture a very beautiful picture of a sunset in Indiana, her home state. And she took that picture and put it as the lock screen photo on her cell phone to give her something beautiful to look at when she's not looking at me, of course. And, uh, and it was very nice. But, but, you know, when you look at the sunset and as glorious as it is, you realize it's... It's just a, a, a little glimpse of what the world should have been like. What the world was supposed to be like. We've lost the glory that God originally gave the earth. It's filled with weeds and biting gnats and venomous snakes. Freaky people. 
You know, I, I went out to water the grass yesterday, or not water the grass, but water my plants yesterday morning, and I had some flip-flops on, and for the longest time, I had some little splinters in my feet where some little prickly, thorny things, I think they may have come from my raspberry plants, kept sticking me in the bottom of my feet. It's beautiful to look at, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and when man fell short of God's glory... Because we were created to bear the glory of God here on earth. When man fell short of God's glory, all the creation under man fell as well. But when Jesus comes back, when our blessed hope comes back, it's going to be a glorious appearing. The glory that sin drove away from earth is then going to return to earth. And earth is going to be restored to a way you can only imagine. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. It'd make my wife delete that photo off her phone because of lamenting over it. Man was, again, created to bear the glory of God, but our sin doesn't bear God's glory. The human race has done marvelous exploits. But it's fallen incredibly short of the glory of Christ. But this is the brilliance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem. God took on humanity. The glorious God took on humanity. And by Jesus becoming a man... He will be able to restore the glory of God back to the human race. Does that make sense? Jesus came as us. But when he comes again, we will become like him. It's amazing. He, he, he became like us. He took on sin. He went to the grave. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of God. When he comes back, he will come back in the glory of God his Father. And that human part of him, the fact that he took on the human race, that humanity, that glorious humanity that he will bear, we will then be transformed into that same image. And the glory will be returned. His glorious appearing will be our glorious transformation. Does that make sense? 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 18, says this, But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Since the glorious appearing is of Jesus, the Son of God, who also is the Son of Man, who died for us and rose again. Paul said it will be the glorious appearing, look back in your text, of the great God and our Savior. In times past, the book of Hebrews says, God spoke into the world by His prophets and in various means. But not today. Not in the end. Not with our glorious hope. In previous times, God would send angels to do His bidding. But when it came time to redeem us from our sin, God didn't send a representative. He came Himself. 
And when it comes time to deliver the saints from this present world that we're living in, when it comes time to raise them from the dead and restore everything back to us that sin took away, He will not send a representative then either. God will come Himself in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul said, it will be the appearing of the great God and our Savior. Look back in your text. Jesus Christ. Jesus is both our God as well as He is our Savior. I've had people tell me before, well, Jesus was the Son of God, but He wasn't God. No, they're wrong. It's a little more complex than that. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was God the Son. As God, Jesus always was, and Jesus will always be. As a man, Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. Someone says, well, God died for us. No, God did not die for us. As man, Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. But, but God wasn't born for us. God is eternal. Him that was and is and is to come. That's who Jesus is as God. And that's who God the Father and the God the Holy Spirit is. So, God wasn't born for us. And God didn't die for us. God, who is eternal, can't have a beginning. And God, who is life itself, can't have an end. He can never die. But Jesus was God incarnate. As the Apostle John said, He was the Word made flesh. The Word didn't die. But the flesh did. You see the difference? God didn't die. But the man Christ Jesus did. Then the flesh was raised. And given the glory of God. That when Jesus appears. We also. In our risen flesh. May be glorified together with him. What a marvelous gospel. What a marvelous gospel. That's our blessed hope. That's the simplicity yet the power of the message that Paul is telling Titus in verse 13. It was bad for them then. It's been bad for Christians throughout the centuries. God's blessed America because of the gospel message and because of the, the, the people here who, who had a fear of God. But times have changed and they're continuing to change. And we might as well uh, uh, get used to the fact that those days, at least for now, are gone. But we can, like the, the Christians before us in the previous generations, and those that are going to come after us in the generations to come, if, if the Lord tarries, we can do what the Apostle Paul did. Uh, or, and, and what the Apostle Paul told Titus to do, and to tell them to do, and thus to tell us to do. We can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, and not just live soberly, righteously, and godly, 
But we can do so with great courage, with great confidence, and with great hope. Because of the blessed hope we as believers in Christ are looking forward to. Let that stir your hearts this morning. Don't get all caught up with the bad news of this world. Don't let it frame your emotions. Don't let it frame your thought process. Don't let it frame your attitude in the day. Don't let it make you tense and draw up and angry and sad and depressed. Don't, you, yeah, we've got to be living in this present world, but don't be looking at this present world. We should be looking for the blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Whether He comes and we're standing on our feet or slumbering in our graves, He's coming and the hope belongs to you and me. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your precious Word. We thank You for the amazing encouragement it gives us. And we thank You most of all that it's not some well-written speech. It's not, Father, some theological concept. As Brother Shepherd said this morning in Sunday school, it is history pre-written. The blessed hope shall come. And I pray that our eyes will be tied to Him. In His precious name we pray. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, thank You, thank You. For giving us, Father, an undeniable, unstoppable, unending hope in our hearts as we live in this present world. Amen.